Good day, listeners. Wine for Me podcast is all about the South African wine industry. I chat with anyone that can offer insight to you and me as to which wineries to visit, where to find great wines, and how do wine producers get to be at the top of their game. Please sit back and enjoy. Today I talk to Cathy van Sale. Cathy is quite a legend in the South African wine industry. Not only is she a Masters of Wine, but also the Associate Editor of Platter South African Wine Guide. Cathy, how did your wine journey start? I'm actually a little embarrassed to admit how my wine journey started. Let's just say I was an avid consumer of wine. When my friends and I used to get together for the rise and the parties over the weekend when we were growing up in Johannesburg everybody else would be drinking rum and coke and I would go and buy a bottle of Niederberg Barone or a mm. bottle of Niederberg um, Edelroot and it would last me the whole day and then when Philip and I were married we drank copious copious quantities of grasser but then Philip found one um, evening at my parents house the Cape Wine Academy introductory wine course brochure lying down and it turned out my sister was doing that and so he said let's do this wine course and I said to him only if you cycle the Cape Argus cycle tour with me <laughs> so Philip said fine we can do this and so we did the Cape Wine Academy introductory course and then their certificate and diploma courses and we also cycled four Argus wine tours together. Wow. Philip cycled his sixth while I sorry, his fifth while I was pregnant with Luke. And then I carried on cycling, but Philip gave up. So I've done twenty one Argus cycle tours. Oh now. my that's a lot. <laughs> You're well done. <laughs> Thank you. Now, being a Masters of Wine, I think the listeners would like to know where do you start with this whole journey? It's quite a big journey, hey? It's a really big journey, and I'm sorry if this is now going to be a bit of a monologue, but it's that's how long the journey is. Mm. If I can just, though, give you a little bit of insight into the Masters of Wine and the Institute of Masters of Mm. Wine. The Masters of Wine was initially a qualification developed in the United Kingdom for members of the British wine trade. So these would have been your importers and distributors of fine wines and other wines from various countries around the world. And it was only open to um, members of the UK wine trade. It's been offering this examination for sixty over 60 years now. And we recently announced our six newest masters of wine. In fact, welcomed them only on um, February the 21st into the fold. And so today we have a membership that spans 30 countries worldwide. And we have a total of, let me get it right, 384 MWs in the world. Oh, wow. That doesn't seem a lot in the bigger scheme of things. Yeah, it's rather sad to know that more people have summited Everest then passed the Masters of Wine exams. So that's rather. But it's very specialized. Obviously, people need to be into wine to want to do something like this. Correct. So, So firstly, it's not an education process, it's Mm. actually an examination that you Mm. sit, but it is supported by a couple of um, education initiatives throughout the year. Mm. Um, So the very first thing to remember is that it's 
strictly self-study. Mm. There's a broad curriculum, but nobody's going to tell you exactly what books you have to read, exactly what wines you have to taste. Um, so it's almost like reading for a degree at Cambridge or Oxford. You turn okay. your speciality and then you've got to go out and study quite sure. a lot for it. Yeah. Um, and the journey can take anything from three to eight years, sure. depending on how quickly you go through the examination. There's three parts to the examination. It's the practical tasting examination, mm-hmm. which comprises three tasting papers. There's the theory or essay writing section, which mm-hmm. comprises five theory examinations. And then there's the research paper, which is the third and final bit. Okay. And what makes it incredibly hard is that you can't, it's not modular, so you cannot just pass one or two mm-hmm. sections of the exam um, every year. You have to pass all three of the practical testing papers in one go, and you have to pass four of the five theoretical papers in one go. Only then can you forget about that um, section, with the exception of that um, theory paper that you might not have passed. You get what is called the single paper reset. Okay, and with these exams, I guess it's not only about tasting and wine profiles and this and that. It's it's about the whole industry. It's from winemaking to marketing to everything that Absolutely. you need to know. So the, um, the first theory paper deals with viticulture. Mm-hmm. The second theory paper deals with the um, winemaking up until um, elevage is complete or the aging is complete. Mm-hmm. The third paper deals with a blending, bottling, quality control, packaging, etc. The fourth paper is um, business of wine, so marketing issues and considerations affecting supply, demand, uh, supply chains, distributions, vertical integration, all those wonderful things. And then the fifth paper is um, more... um, how can we describe it? It's more the um, social impacts of wine or the oh. social aspects of wine. So you could be asked to write an essay on um, is wine a, an evil or a delight? Okay. And um, is wine a healthy beverage? Or, mm. you know, so debate more sociable issues okay. to, on that fifth paper. And then the practical paper, I always say it's... Um, a test of your writing skill, your tasting skill, and your theoretical knowledge. Because it's not enough for you to just take a sniff on the 12 wines in front of you and say, this one's a Barolo, this one's a Barbaresco, and this one's a Sangiovese. You have to lucidly argue why you've made these decisions. So if you don't know your theory, you're completely lost. And if you can't write a good argument you also stand to lose marks Um, and there's they're more increasingly the examiners are talking to and asking you about methods of production in your practical tasting paper so they ask you to describe the style of a wine and you can say for example it's a sparkling wine Um, and then they'll ask you comment on the method of production and you've got to say, well, I believe it's a sparkling wine from Champagne, and then say, referring to what evidence there is in the glass makes you think it's method Champagne was, 
Or you can say, um, well, it's a sparkling wine and I think it's Prosecco. Mm. And then again, referring back to evidence in the glass, argue why you think it's Prosecco instead of sparkling wine. Sounds more difficult than a doctorate. (laughs) (laughs) Sometimes people say so, yes. Oh, gosh. Now, you also had to do a research paper, or everybody needs to do a research paper. What did you write about? One of my other bad choices in life. Um, (laughs) I did, my topic was the Stellenbosch wine route. Okay. Lessons for emerging wine routes around the world. Mm-hmm. And at the time that I did this, because I passed my Master of Wines examinations in 2005, mm-hmm. marketing of wine was not that important on many people's agenda in the industry. They were much more focused on viticulture and enology mm. as opposed to marketing. And so when it came for me to do my research paper, and part of your research paper is a critical review of past research that has been done Mm. in the area, I had precious little literature to review. Mm. In fact, at that stage, Stellenbosch Wine Route had just commissioned um, research into why people come to the Stellenbosch Wine Route. And so I was very lucky to have their piece of research as a solid piece of literature to review and refer to. But I really had to struggle. I had to get people from Napa and beg them if they'd done any similar research to let Mm. me see this. In fact, in that year, in in 2004, um, Steve Charters, Master of Wine, who was then lecturing and marketing at Roseworthy in Australia, Mm. he had just in 2004, started a research project that was going to look at cellar doors, which is what our Mm. wine routes are, Mm -hmm. and their contribution to a wines business. Yes, yeah. But he'd only done it for one year, Mm. so I needed at least 10 years of his research to be done. Ahead of my time again, what can I say? Yeah, but I, I agree with you that there was a lack of marketing for a very long time. It's gotten better, I think, these days, but I think a lot can still be done in our industry. Yes, and yeah. in fact, the um, research paper has changed tack itself a little bit. Um, when I did it, um, now nearly um, 13 years ago, uh, they encouraged you to do more scientific research papers. Mm. And then about seven years ago, they realized that that was too restrictive. Mm. So they've opened it up to all kinds of things. Okay. And if I can read you some of the topics, if I can find it here, okay. some of the topics of the latest okay. um, Master of Wine graduates. So one's research paper was why and how champagne producers should react to the development of English sparkling wine sales oh. in the UK off trade market. Somebody else said... Evaluating the effect of training staff in wine knowledge as system buller get with regards to customer satisfaction ratings. Mm. And somebody else then did something which is quite technical, but they wrote a fantastic introduction. It was called Travel Shock! Exclamation mark. <laughs> An investigation into the impact of air freight and road transport on aged, full-bodied red wine. Ah, so you can see it's quite a much broader mm. one yeah but all very interesting subjects and things that should um, be out there you never think of all the the heat and the things that influence wines when it travels 
Another example I was discussing with a producer yesterday and two Japanese sommeliers that were out visiting that I was hosting. And the question from the Japanese sommelier was, so how has the drought affected the grape growers? They must be suffering dreadfully. Mm. And we said, yes, they are, because they've obviously got less crop Mm -hmm. to sell. I said, but you've also got to not underestimate the fact that if there's less of a crop to sell, and especially less of a highly sought-after wine. Mm. For example, that just let's take an, one of the Alhout wines. Mm. If he can only buy seven tons from a particular vineyard instead of ten tons from a particular mm. vineyard, that's going to have reduced his output as a wine producer by 30%. Yes. It means he's going to sell less to his distributor, so his distributor is going to have to make do with only 70% of the allocation. Yes. Then the retailers are going to have to make do with 70%. Yes. The restaurants are going to have to make do with 70%. Uh-huh. So it has a whole trickle effect exactly. down the yeah. chain yeah. towards, it's not just the drought and how it impacts the people with their fingers in the soil. It yes. has an impact on the overall industry. Yes, absolutely. Now you told us already it can take anything from three to eight years to obtain a master's of wine now we must also talk about cost because um i think this is quite an expensive journey as well <laughs> it's long and it is expensive because you've got to travel a lot hey you can get away if you are living in the colonies as we liked to refer to as far-flung places but that does include south america as well mm. but If you do have to travel Mm -hmm. to one of the seminars, because as a requirement of sitting the exam each year or being eligible to sit the exam each year, you have to attend an education seminar. Mm. And these are currently held in Adelaide, Bordeaux, the UK Mm. and San Francisco. Mm -hmm. So living on the tip of Africa, I had to travel. So I could get away with the one trip up Mm. to the UK um, to attend the seminar and then you have to sit the exam in person and I would have to then fly to the UK to sit my exam. So count on a minimum of two flights Mm. a year. Then think of all the wine that you have to drink and taste. So Mm. for example, when I was preparing for my tasting exam, for six months I didn't drink a South African wine because I realized that I had a South African palate and I had to educate my palate to be more European or more global in its approach. Yes, yeah. So I had to go out and buy, and also there's not that many foreign wines available no, in not. South Africa. So no. I had to go and buy wine direct from importers into South Africa. And where there were none of those wines, I had to, when I was in the UK, buy up a case or two mm. and bring it in. And then the actual cost of the examination, you have to pay in pounds, so you're at the mercy of your exchange rate. And I remember having to pay my fees one February when the rand was 19 rand 50 to the pound. But at that stage, the cost was only 1,500 pounds. It's now gone up. I think the average cost now is 3,500 pounds for one year's study. Oof, and you're doing a lot of years, not just one. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. If yeah. you've passed your tasting or if you pass your theory as a module during the mm. first time you sit, which I did, I passed my theory yeah. the first year I sat, I got. I only had to pay half the next year. Oh, wonderful. Because you only paid for half the things. <laughs> sure. 
Yeah, no, but it's amazing that South Africa has three masters of wine, right? And you being one of them. We have more, but it's... So Lynn Sheriff and Peter Kuff were the first South African masters of wine or the first South Africans to hold with South African passports to get the Master of Wine. Peter was living in San Francisco when he did his, and um, Lynn was in the UK wine industry um, when she did hers. I was the third South African Master of Wine, and I'm the first person to ever have done it while living on the southern tip of Africa. And then I was followed by Greg Sherwood, Mm -hmm. who, as far as I can remember, was born in Pretoria, but was educated in the UK. Mm -hmm. And Greg did his while living in London. He works for a fine wine merchant called Hanford's in London. Okay. And then we had Richard Kershaw, who's strictly not South African, but he he is married to a Buddha Macy. And he did do it while living on the tip of Africa. Okay. Okay. And then finally, Cassidy Dart, who mm-hmm. has just left one of the exclusive champagne houses to go and live in Hong Kong. He also did it while he was living in okay. the UK, but um, his father is South African. Okay. And I think Cassidy also was born in South Africa. So that was rather strange. So every year you go to, you can if you can afford it. And fortunately, I'm a member of the Masters of Wines Council, mm-hmm. which is like the board committee. Mm-hmm. And I go to a board meeting or a council meeting in November in London every year and that coincides with the graduation ceremony and it's utterly fantastic. Okay. I remember being there, um, it's in King, it's in the Vintners Hall and walking around and just realising that some of the decanters um, and the Tastavans and the documentation that they had at Vintners Hall behind glass was put into that hall before South Africa was even discovered. It was really a rather humbling experience to be in such a a, a historic building. But anyway, so last year I was there for the the interview and I heard this person speaking Afrikaans behind me and it's like the least thing I needed (laughs) to hear because the only people in the institute who speak Afrikaans are Lynn Sheriff and myself and it wasn't her, it was a male voice. And I turned around and I said, who can you Afrikaans? And I learned from him, I said, Cassidy Safpa, and I was here for say ceremony. Oh, <laughs> so it was wow. Cassidy's dad, and it was oh. quite interesting to, nice, to yeah. meet him. Yes. That's awesome. So um, tell me, you also mentor people for Master of Wine program, right? You, yes, you I have been a mentor in the past, okay. just not at the moment. Okay. Yes, and that is quite... Um, a heavy responsibility, mm-hmm. but the mentor is actually only there as a, I think a, um, a cheerleader from mm. the side, and to help ensure that the person is on track. Yes. A mentor is not there to actually educate mm. or to set timetables and say you will do this. Mm. Um, this is a self-study course. Everybody is busy, and these are grown-ups mm. that are taking yeah. the course. But what I do do, um, I'm spending quite a lot of time now with Kathy Marston who is Mm. currently studying organizing her mock tasting exams so that involves me identifying the wines I want to put in the tasting writing up the tasting um, questions for her she arrives at my house at say nine o'clock on a Saturday and we pour the wines then I say ready steady go and leave her for two and a quarter hours which is how long the exam takes. Mm. And then I go back up and say, stop now. And then she unpacks a few crudités and some snacks and 
we go through each wine and okay. I critique her answers. Okay. So that takes, um, that's about a, and she generally leaves at about two o'clock on a Saturday. Sure. So it takes a big chunk of time. Yes, yeah. yeah. That's a lot of work, yeah. yeah. And then once you have a Masters of Wine, what are your opportunities? Well, for me, <laughs> as soon as I got my Master of Wine, my husband allowed me to join the tasting panel for Platter. Oh, wonderful. I think he thought that um, because I had a Master of Wine, nobody could attack my tasting credentials That's or my, my wine credentials. So that for me was really quite special because I enjoy the work that I do for the Platter's Wine Guide, mm. very, very much so. For other people, it has meant huge promotions at work. Mm. One master of wine, he worked for Mondavi, and they opened up a new division for him oh, in terms okay. of fine wine. So it was like one day you're an employee, the next day you're in charge of your own division yeah, doing no, this. that's wonderful. So that was really wonderful for yeah. him. Um, but in the UK wine trade, a lot of people need it just to keep ahead of their peers. Berry Brothers and Rudd, for example, has seven or nine masters of wine working for them. Sure. Waitrose, all the wine buyers bar one, is a master of wine. Mm. So for me, though, it got me a job that I enjoy doing. I also signed on to be part of the education committee for the institute mm. and for six years I organized the seminar in Bordeaux and then I was chair of the education committee for four years sure. and so that enabled me to travel and to meet a lot of people mm. Mm. Um, and so it opened doors to meeting other people from different countries at the moment I do ad hoc consulting in Japan very very ad hoc I've had a couple of wine clients in terms of introductions to wine for importers in India. I'm currently working with somebody who's going to be bottling wine in bulk in Africa. You know, when you think wine industry, on the one hand there's fine, on the other hand there's bulk and yes. everything in between. Yeah. And I still judge a lot. Okay, um, that's wonderful. And it, it's all passion driven. So at the end of the day you love what you're doing and that is what matters at the end of the day is your living your passion in some way mm, I should have maybe done an entrepreneurial course which would have taught me how to price my masters of wine <laughs> when I'm selling the um, my expertise quote unquote on but yeah. Yeah, it's never going to make me rich but you have lots of perks in the wine industry oh, because yes. you're you're very well known um, in the wine industry in South Africa and everybody welcomes you to their door all the time and that's a that's a wonderful thing well I have to say that the South African wine industry has been absolutely fantastic yeah. um, some people more so than others but as I mentioned I had these two sommeliers here that stayed with me for a week and every single person that I phoned offered to host them and meet with them even if it was just for half an hour because it was harvest yes. um, but nobody said no that's wonderful. Um, and they were all absolutely fantastic when we went through to see them. Some more than others. Um, <laughs> I had to work on one particular day and Inna Smith from the Shannon Association mm -hmm. looked after them the entire day from fetching them from my house in the oh, morning wow. to dropping them off in the evening. Oh, so that wonderful. was really lovely. It gave yeah. me a day to catch up on some work. Yeah, you mentioned two names now, so I just want to tell the listeners that I will have an interview with your husband, Philip, about the Platter's Guide. So that is a future podcast and also with Ina Smith from the Chenin Blanc Association. So it's wonderful stuff to look forward to. And 
It was wonderful to talk about the Masters of Wine program, and I hope the listeners will have more insight into it now. Fantastic. I just want to say one thing. You cannot sip the Master of Wine if you're just an interested person. So you can't be a heart surgeon with a passionate interest in Bordeaux and a cellar full of Bordeaux. You have to be in the wine trade. It's one of the stipulations. But it's not that onerous. Um, The wine trade also is very broad. And recently, the Institute has relaxed its interpretation of wine trade. It used to only be in the involvement of selling or making wine Mm. um, or educating. And we've come to realise that, you see, even old stuffy institutions can change. We've come to realise that for many people in the wine trade and in other businesses, you wear different hats. Mm. So I am a wine judge, a wine writer, a wine educator. Mm. I do some consulting, do some broking, you know. So even though I might not have be in the wine trade all the time Mm. I'm still earning a majority share of my income from the wine industry and if anybody wants to see more it's www.mastersofwine.org or they can phone me and we can chat thank you so much Kathy I really appreciate and please go look at that website she just mentioned this episode was recorded and produced by me Amanda Fisser I hope you enjoyed it 